Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you'd call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we can share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Uh, This is episode 21 coming at you guys. It is currently Sunday afternoon. It is 2.30 uh angels are actually playing the astros right now i believe we're losing if i'm not mistaken right travis yeah sadly it's probably best not to worry about that right now it's been a rough little patch for the for the halos but uh we're gonna kind of come at you guys with a good variety hopefully of different kind of news and hot topics in the mlb world uh currently there's a lot going on um things like fernando tatis is coming back uh to play outfield which is a really interesting kind of development in the season that no one really expected. So he's going to kind of try to continue his MVP race, Travis, as a right fielder, apparently. And we're going to kind of talk about what that might mean for uh, his season and potentially his career going forward. So uh, we'll get to that later. We're going to talk about some uh, Mike Trout war stuff because that had some buzz on Twitter. Um, Mike Trout obviously has missed uh, a large majority of the season. He's been out since around May, I believe. And people are kind of saying that, uh, essentially kind of talking about how good his first couple months were compared to other people's first full seasons. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, we'll talk about some some Padres talk because Darvish is going to the IL, Travis, and Snell has not been too great. So we can kind of discuss about can the rotation kind of uh, stand the test in a, in a big postseason since they lost that Scherzer sweepstakes. Um, Dodgers are looking great rotation-wise with Scherzer and Bueller being like a silent kind of guy. So... We can talk about how that might stack up going forward, and we'll also end up with some Angels talk as well, because there are some great things about the team, and there are some very, very big weaknesses as well that we want to discuss, so we'll get there. But Travis, I'll actually start you off with a bit of a curveball. We'll start off with a trivia question. This, I like that. This is, this is a small little kind of tidbit that was I saw on Twitter, and it's, it's really surprising. So Mike Zunino is the catcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was an all-star this year. Shout out to my uh, fantasy team, doing great at the catching role right oh, now. Oh, yeah? A lot of pop, right? A lot of pop. That's really all I have in there for. The average, uh, you know, right. so, not too concerned with the catch rate that, but yeah. So it's good that you bring that up because that's pretty much what the trivia question is about. So um, Mike Zunino, well, like we said, he's an all-star. Uh, Zunino totally deserved it. He had a great start to the year. He's still doing pretty solid. Um, but his, like you said, his contact numbers are not anything special right now. So currently in the year, Travis, Zunino has 24 home runs, okay? Okay. That's good. That's a lot for a catcher. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's very solid. Going to finish with probably 30 plus. Yeah. So the man has 24 homers. Now, I need you to guess how many singles he has. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so he has 24 homers in the year. 24 homers And he's an year. all-star catcher. He totally deserved it. But okay. Yeah, I'll, okay. Let you, I'll let you think this through. Talk us through it. Well, since you brought it up, I think it's going to be a very surprising number. I know the last time we had a trivia question like this was, I think, was with the it dealt with the you know the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I think it was number of wins right. in like a forty-two game span. So it was just 
it was pretty insane. I'm gonna I'm gonna say he has less singles than home runs this season. I know he's an extra race hit kind of guy, so I'm gonna say less singles than home runs. So I'm probably gonna say around like. 22 to 20 singles on the season. Okay, so yeah, he's at 24 homers, and your train of thought is very, very good because he actually has 17 singles this 17. year. 17, wow. Isn't that something? That is that. A 17 singles this part of the season for an all-star player who, who deserved it. He had a yeah. great start, but it's all about the power with him. The average, I believe, was down at 209 right now, which, um, you know, kind of makes some sense. And obviously, as a catcher, he's not hasn't doesn't have an everyday role. Even though he has played 80 games, which is a good amount. He has. I know he has really good defense, too. And so Yeah, the defense I, is good, and the OPS Plus is 137. So he's yeah. a well above average bat, yeah. but just not the contact-wise. It's all, very all comes from his power. It all comes from his slugging, honestly. His slugging, yeah. is, is, his slugging is great, and his oh, his on-base is not great at all just because he uh, doesn't, he, doesn't put the ball in play very often just and, over the and, fence. And you see a genius like Kevin Cash probably definitely knowing how to use that kind of role player sure. and to make the team better. and. Um, you know, as you see from their record and you see how he's doing, you know, I think both parties are very happy. So, right. Yeah. He, Travis, it's almost been a kind of a theme with this Rays team where if some of these kind of breakout performances by guys like Wendell, guys like Zunino, if they're happening during the last postseason, they could have won the World Series. It's really kind of interesting yeah. the way that the bats were so quiet in that postseason run, just besides a Rosarena, of course. And then, uh, this year, the rest of the team's kind of picking up the slack. But yeah, the Rays are obviously a super hot team and, uh, they're sort of making their case to be division winners over in the AL East. But Travis, we can uh, we can continue moving on to some other topics. I, let, let's park at the Tatis thing right now because okay. just now we were setting up the podcast and he hit a home run, which was uh, in his in his first plate appearance. Is that right? Uh, second, but incredible. I mean, and, you know, so it it pretty much begs the question. You know, what can't this guy do? As a shortstop, uh, he kept getting injured. He had yep. multiple IL stints. And now they kind of decided his bat is too valuable to leave out of the of the of the batting lineup. And honestly, Travis, the Reds I believe are like two and a half, three and a half, something like that. Games behind in the wild card race, so it might have put some pressure on Jace Tingler and some of the other people yeah. that make her make decisions for the Padres, saying, "Let's get Tatis back in the order." Um, and honestly, if we feel like he's not healthy enough to play a good shortstop, let's just put him in the outfield. And so. I- Talk us through what that means for him going forward. Yeah, and you know, you brought, a good thing you brought that up because I did see that about you know a couple of days ago that the Reds were kind of sneaking in. I mean, the Reds are getting healthier. They got Mike Mustakis back, who kind of had a pretty good week um, with his return, and then now you got, of course, Winker Castellanos, and you also have Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo pitching very well. Yeah, Castillo at the beginning of the year had so many question marks, and he's completely flipped it around. For yeah, sure. so the Reds are definitely putting pressure on the Padres because if the Padres did not make the playoffs this season, I think the fan base and the organization as a whole would have just been completely defeated. I mean, you talk about the last offseason, just winning that, being the team and all the hype from last season, and you bring it on to 2021. Um, I know Dodger fans and Dodger, you know, uh, probably operations, you know, upper management would have probably gave them a lot of, a lot of crap for not making the playoffs because sure. you know they are supposed to be the team to play. But um, yeah, I mean, you 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 get a guy like Fernando Tatis. You know, you don't get a guy like this very, very often, especially playing shortstop. Um, and you need that kind of player playing every single day. What I really like about him is you know a great bat. But let's just say if he goes over four one day, he's still a threat on the base paths. He's still a threat a threat playing defense. 
Um, he brings the whole entire package when it comes out for him to play the game. And so um, moving him to right field, I really like having that bat back in the lineup. I think him and Machado are kind of those two um, double punch for any sort of pitching uh, staff or um, rotation. So sure. um, having him back playing right field, kind of easing him his way back into it. Um, I really like it because, yeah, the Padres still have a mission. They're still third in the NL West right now. A little bit surprising. Um, but, yeah, they, they still have to uh, kind of put the pressure back on the other teams um, to, you know, hopefully get that last wild card spot or, if not, get maybe that first wild card spot. I don't know if the division is in reach. Um, last I saw, the Giants had a four-game lead on the Dodgers, and I don't know what the lead is the Dodgers over the Padres. So you might be looking at, like, eight games back in the division. So I, right I, now— I think Padres might be ten back in the division. Ten back? Okay. Yeah. So you're really looking at a wild card spot right now for the Padres, which is a little scary because you're putting all that pressure on— um, you know, that one starter and then, of course, that roster to, you know, bring your A game for that one playoff game. And it's going to be against the Giants or the Dodgers, most likely. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting, Alex. I'll ask you this, though, uh, because, you know, seeing him start in right field, I really don't have a problem with it right now. I love having him in the order. So if he has to play right field for the rest of the season, he'll do great. He'll be a great right fielder. But moving forward next season, what do you see from this? Sure. Yeah. So. The Padres are in a unique spot, Travis, because they have so many options here. Um, we talk about it quite a bit. Um, they already had a great all-star kind of middle infield with Tatis playing short, Cronenworth playing second, right? Those are both like all-star caliber guys. Um, then they go ahead and they sign free agent ha Young Kim from the Korean League. Uh, and he, Travis, uh, this season, I think he's one of the highest uh, defensive war guys. He's been a great defender. So he can play middle infield for them as like a defensive backup almost and is going to be, you know, a, at least at least provide value on the defensive end, you know, without a doubt. And then the other kind of uh, spin on it is if you are going to shift Tatis to the outfield, they have so many outfield options. They, you have uh, Grisham, of course, you have Myers, you have Pham, who all have been, you know, having um, some solid seasons. And then you have other guys in the mix like uh, like Jerkson Profar. And now you're throwing Tatis into this mix. You have like five outfielders now, it seems like. And, of course, Cronenworth can play outfield if needed as well. So the options really keep kind of going and going. And then, of course, at the deadline, they pick up uh, Frazier from the Pirates. So the amount of options they have to play, like, middle infield as well as first base as well as the outfield, it goes on and on. So they can really approach this however they want to. If they feel like Tatis is going to keep getting hurt playing shortstop, um, they can just write out with Haseon Kim and say, let's just have, like, the defensive-minded shortstop um Tatis had a lot of errors this year early on like he was having his kind of you know kind of figuring stuff out again he had a he had a good defensive 2020 and this year he kind of slipped up so maybe they just kind of say he has a great arm powerful arm That's let's true. have him in right field it's almost like he's becoming like I mean this is this is a not a great comparison but like you can almost view it like a like a Guerrero Vladimir Guerrero senior kind of guy like let's mm-hmm. just stick him in right field he's a great arm or and, even Acuna and we need his bat sure yeah that works too I, I, I don't know I have no idea. I know he's never played a, a major league game in the outfield. I don't know if he ever played outfield as a kid and stuff like that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some time out there. But yeah. I wonder if his glove will translate. But either way, as long as you have his arm out there and his speed out there, it's going to be impactful. But the biggest thing is his bat is going to be in the lineup, which is definitely is yep. needed at this point. Because if you don't have his bat in the lineup, um, the Padres have a really good chance of kind of losing some ground to the Reds. And some other teams that are trying to make a late push, so. and that and that would be kind of a, a disappointing look if they were to you know lose the wild card race and the you know the Cincinnati Reds and pa- end up passing them up. 
I think the Dodgers would be a lot happier to see them mm-hmm. than the Padres in a one-game playoff spot. Um, one question, too, for you moving forward. If he does play right field, you know, starting in 2022 and moving forward, what do you think that does to his legacy? Do you think that kind of diminishes it? Because what makes him so, so special in my eyes is that he's putting up these numbers as a shortstop. That yeah. is so rare in all of MLB history. These numbers as, a, as an outfielder, there's been quite a few guys that have done it. Yeah. And I think in, in today's era, in today's game, you put him in right field, he's got a lot of competition when it comes to the all MLB team like we make every single month and how they start making the teams every year now. Right. You mean you're competing with Betts, Acuna for right field. I know Acuna plays center, but he plays a lot of right field as well. So you're comp- competing with Betts and Acuna, even for just an all-star start- starting spot. Yeah. And then you look at other outfielders too. You know, you got Trout, you've got Springer, um, even Soto playing left and right. But you've got a lot of competition. I just that's my big question with that. Would that affect some sort of legacy on Tatis? Because um, we're seeing him now coming close to you know, could this guy be, of course the best shortstop this game's ever seen because he's on track right now. He's almost on that young Alex Rodriguez looking track. Of course, Alex Rodriguez moved to third base, but you know, I see Tatis as being a guy that could really put pressure on, you know, an all time shortstop. That is a lot of good uh, thoughts to unpack there because I do completely agree that it's my belief, at least if he made a full time transition uh, to, I guess, a right field or a left field spot, I do think it would definitely impact his legacy in a substantial way. Um, Travis, because, you know, we compare his bat to other shortstops. Um, only guy that kind of comes close is maybe like a Bogarts. Um, and even still, Tatis is like, has a significant yeah. edge there. Yeah. Um, guys like Correa, guys like, you know, Story maybe. These guys are like all-stars, but they really are not um, on the level that Tatis has been these last, uh, you know, or 200 games, however many he's played in his career. I, I really see him as putting Trey Turner, Baez, and Bogarts into one player because sure, you got yeah. the hitting, you got the speed, you've got the defense. It's that with one guy and it's Fernando Tatis. And, yeah. And so if you were to stick him in right field in like a long term role, um, all of a sudden, a lot of the kind of defensive bonuses you get and the speed bonuses not not, not it's not you don't even have to be a great great shortstop. The fact that it, the matter is. If you are playing shortstop, you're inherently kind of more valuable than yep. if you're playing right field. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now, instead of comparing yourself to Trey Turner and to Xander Bogarts, uh, obviously your your bat has been better than theirs. But now you're looking comparing yourself to like Juan Soto in right field, mm-hmm. guys like uh, Nick Castellanos, obviously Acuna, he's hurt. But um, a guy like Nick Castellanos, Travis, a big reason why he's not ever kind of considered in like these kind of like who's the best player in the NL is he's playing a right field and he's not a great defender, but his bat, if you look at his, his average on-base slugging, it's not crazy far from like where Tatis is at. And now Tatis, if they're playing the same position, it kind of almost levels things out a bit more. So uh, I'm not saying that you know Nick Castellanos is better than Tatis, but just it kind of you kind of have to recategorize the way you look at Tatis's production if you're saying, okay, he's doing this as a right fielder or left fielder versus he's doing it as a shortstop. It definitely makes things different. Um, and it's, it's interesting you brought up the whole A-Rod switching the third base thing because I've heard people say similar things about Tatis uh, that he at some point could transition to the third baseman just because he's so big and tall yeah. that mm-hmm. it almost is A-Rod-like where maybe he'd be better at third base uh, like when he hits his like, you know, late 20s or maybe he's around 30 
you can switch to third base and um, it can kind of be more about your reaction time and like you're at this tall long ice, you can make those kind of diving reaction plays that are necessary for a, a hot corner um, because he might lose some of that some of that kind of quickness with his age since he's, he's got long legs, he's got a big body. So no, but I, I do agree that um, leaving a shortstop position, if that were to be like a, a long-term thing, it would affect, uh, well, I can tell you for sure it would affect his war because uh, shortstops get more war yeah. for just playing the position. Um, and it would affect, it would affect, I think, the way that we kind of rank who's the best players in the league. Um, a big reason, Travis, so Mike Trout is one of the, is you know the best player of the last decade. A big reason is because he plays center field. If he was playing first base, putting up those power stats, he might still be the best player, but it, he wouldn't be in this kind of elite, elite class of like yeah. Hall of Fame guys. Mm-hmm. If he was just playing first base or DH, mm-hmm. putting up those batting numbers, it'd be different, right? Even if he was playing left field, it'd be different. The fact that he plays center field. Uh, which is such an important position on the on the diamond. Um, it affects everything. It really does. The it does. The position you're playing uh, most of your time. So I assume you agree about the Tatis kind of thing in the outfield. Yeah. No, no, exactly. And I'm also looking at Manny Machado because, I mean, Machado is going to be on the Padres, you know, until 2028. That's mm-hmm. his contract. So I don't see Machado moving. Only other place I'd see Machado going maybe is like first base. When, he gets, get, when he gets really old, yeah. Gets older. Because, you know, he's, he's kind of like the Trout. When he came in, when he burst into the league, he was only 19 in, 20, in uh, 2012. So pretty much the same kind of age as Trout right now, um, almost 29. But, yeah, I mean, you see Machado probably digressing. And, you know, at third base, you can be, you know, 35 and still play third base. You can be that old age. Um, and still play the, those positions. But, yeah, I, I could see definitely see Tatis moving to third base sometime in his career. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now, I, I know the Padres, of course, are saying, you know, I don't, we don't, we don't, we shouldn't matter about a legacy. We're trying to win games. We're trying to win a World Series for this city. Oh, absolutely. And that's what these guys' goals are, too, as well. So I think Tatis will look at it as well and say, wherever I can help the team, that's where they'll need me. And, of course, you, you look at some of these signings that Adam Frazier signing was turning out to be really a really big signing for them because that really has second base covered. And now Cronenworth can either play first base, he can play a little bit of shortstop, he can play outfield. And now you got um, Kim from South Korea that could also play shortstop. So it's kind of insane that they had that really interesting signing that we all were like, what's going on? It and built a lot of depth it, for them. It really helped them out too um, to kind of keep them still in the race. Um, unfortunately, Frazier though has not been as effective as he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's actually kind of slumped down a little bit. Um, I'm, I was kind of maybe expecting that when you move from the NL Central, which is kind of, I would say, an easier division to the NL West where you're playing with kind of the the big dogs of the of the entire National League. Um, sure. Numbers might go down a little bit. But he did face really good pitching in the NL Central um, with all that. But, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I, I know for this season, you want to have him healthy. You want to make the playoffs. And you know what? You want that bat in the lineup no matter what. You can always transition to the next season and say, okay, you're going back to shortstop again because that's where you play and that's where you're going to be in 2022 moving forward. Sometimes these injuries just happen. You might need an offseason to really just kind of get more in shape or get some some things in his um, you know, preparation dialed sure. down to a little bit more of a craft um, yeah, it could, it could be yeah. like because he's got so much raw raw skill, like you mentioned, that kind of preparation side of things. Maybe a, you know some off season time with like a fielding coach could help him, like technique wise. Maybe he like I mean sometimes these freak things happen, like dislocated shoulders and stuff like that. But you know maybe a, a fielding coach could help him, I guess technique wise, form wise, and hopefully limit these kind of long term injuries. Because Travis, seeing a you know the potential that Tatis has historically is is it's great. He 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 could be a top five shortstop ever if he just kind of keeps this up for like a fifteen plus year career. 
But um, I mean, gonna, I, I mean, I want to see a fifty home run season from a shortstop. That is yeah, just like and, and that's and incredible. And it's going to come down to health. It is. If he, not, is. if he has these kind of you know misses two weeks here, two weeks there, all in like the same season, it's going to be hard to put up those huge numbers. Because Travis, you see, I see, I saw that this morning, I believe, and it's like you look at his one hundred sixty two game averages. And it's crazy. I think it's like 50 home runs, like 35, 35 steals. Stupid. But he can't put together a 162-game season quite yet because of these kind of injuries that keep happening. So hopefully um, he either gets right um, at shortstop or maybe he just becomes a, a corner outfielder and uh, is able to stay healthy that way and yeah. put, up, put up even crazier kind of more consistent batting uh, week in, week out. Um, but yeah, I, um, I guess we can kind of wrap up on the Padres by mentioning the fact that Darvish was sent to the injury list today. Um, and Snell has been pretty rocky so far this year. So I would say that the Padres pitching, even though the offseason acquisitions were so key, and if they, you know, if Darvish has a great, uh, you know, NLDS or a wild card game, or if Snell does a great in some series in the future, um, it'll really come down to like, oh, that was a great offseason signing. But as of right now, there's been a lot of underperformance from some of the pitchers. So I guess, you know, if you're looking at, you know, what they got right now, it's like looking like, Musgrove and this kind of a drop off it feels like so mm-hmm. what, what do you see from their uh, rotation and I guess how do you think this current hobbled kind of Padres team what, what kind of postseason uh, success do you see them possibly reaching or do you think it's not looking like their year right now I think you know I think you see a lot of a lot of these teams and starting rotations you see them now like you know with being in the dog days of summer I think of course this isn't like a 60-game sprint like last season. You know, these pitchers are actually having to go, you know, 20, 25, 30 starts in a season. Um, I think it's normal for some of these teams. I'm actually happy for the Padres that it's happening now, that you could possibly get some of this stuff happening now. You're still in a great position. You're not trying to fight your way back. Um, I know Musgrove had a little bit of a shaky start his last start. He's still been one of their best pitchers this season. Um, a, three point, a 3.11 ERA this season. Um, Darvish was insanely excellent the first half he was putting up you know almost trying to compete for a Cy Young in the National League mm-hmm. has dropped off but still has a 3-7 ERA which is still as an Angels fan a, I, I would, I'm wishing we could have that I would use that yeah <laughs> but you know Darvish and then of course Blake Snell Blake Snell's been the only thing that's been a disappointment this year for the Padres um he you know you think about what they gave up which is you know it, for them it probably wasn't too much but for a lot of teams it'd be like their entire you it, know farm system it makes the it makes the Rays look pretty smart for doing the deal yes. at that time yes they kind of knew what they had with snell but travis at the same time the deal could be a win-win if snell has one great outing in like a nlc oh yeah yeah this year yeah. or next yeah no one exactly. great start and it's all worth it in the exactly end, exactly so. so and you knew that from snell because i know seeing him in 2019 i think the signing year was 2018 mm-hmm. 2019 he kind of had an era in the four he was you know kind of returning back down to earth wasn't on his same status and then of course um in 2020 the postseason was just that's where blake snell was reborn again pretty much and so i think a lot of people of course get kind of caught up in postseason success which is huge but we look at some of the postseason you know heroes from last year Seeger, Snell, or Rosarena. Rosarena is still doing good but of course on the same level Seeger, of course really dropped off hopefully that'll help the Angels in the offseason when it comes to negotiations <laughs> but uh <laughs> but you know Blake Snell um I still can see him doing very well you know I see him kind of getting back down I don't think it's really panic mode again this is why some of these teams they go out and get so much pitching because throughout a season it's a marathon you're going to get guys that drop off you're going to get guys that get these nagging little blister injuries um that's why I think honestly most teams now you'll start seeing 
going into a season with almost a six-man rotation because you need all six guys because some not everyone's going to stay healthy. Not everyone's going to be, you know, perfect and make all their starts. That doesn't really happen too much anymore. And so a funny thing to note with that is that, of course, the the San Diego Padres have had Mike Clevenger on yeah, there. Yeah, on their he's in, just waiting in, for next year. reserves yeah. for, you know, over a whole season now. So it kind of goes to show that they do kind of have the depth kind of in waiting. But right now, and of course, Gore is a young guy whom, you know, We'll see when he, it's his time to, to you know, sh- get uh, see him on the big stage. But as of right now, the Padres definitely uh, are a bit shaken up. And, and I, I do agree with what you're saying, Travis. It's almost better to go through some obstacles now. And so you can kind of have a, a smart manager like Tingler kind of say, okay, when a guy like Darvish is going to have to miss a start, who am I going to be able to rely on? You know, if Tatis can't play shortstop, who can I rely on to play good defense at short? You know, you gonna have these growing pains earlier than later because if maybe a team like the Giants Travis almost everything has kind of gone their way they've had a great just kind of showing from everyone what if Posey gets dinged up in like a an NLDS what if Crawford um has some defensive problems can you trust someone else to play a shortstop there's just different, different kind of issues that may come up and it's better to go through it now and kind of have a manager who, who knows how to adapt than to, I guess, have it sprung on you at a worst possible time. And that's a good thing to bring up, too, because you're right. The Giants have not faced many injuries this year, and you never know. I mean, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but you never know at that kind of that club because they've had so much good success from all these different guys. And usually it always happens to some... Every team always has that one or couple players that always, of course, get dinged up on the IL um, out. You're seeing now with the Dodgers, Kershaw, he might not make a return until September because, of course, um, going through a little bit of injuries... Uh, and so it, it's, it's funny you see that kind of stuff with all these teams. Um, you know, I know COVID, of course, is different. I've seen a lot of guys on the COVID list for the IL this year, like Garrett Cole, who will be making his return tomorrow. But, yeah, you see a lot of these teams in these, in these days of summer when it's hot out. You're kind of exhausted from the season. It's, you know, I can't imagine for some of these players because they haven't played this long of a season in, in over two years. So this season probably just feels like, you know, the longest marathon they've ever had to run or go for. Um, so you might be seeing a lot more injuries this year because of that. And so uh, it's unfortunate. But like I said, I think the Potters are in a really good spot because they're still in the playoff race. If it ended today, they're in the playoffs. So they're kind of just like just kind of keep on going along. I think they have to realize that the division is out out of reach right now. They need to stay in that wild card um, kind of area. Uh, maybe they can get the first seed in the wild card race. I don't really see that. I think the Dodgers would definitely be the first seed, if not the division winners. Right. And so um, the Dodgers, of course, are looking at the Giants trying to get that. But, you know, we're right now basically seeing the NL West is almost wrapped up. Those are the three teams that look like they're going to be in the playoffs. I think the Giants are pretty safe to say are going to be a playoff team right now because um, oh yeah, they have the biggest lead in, you know, baseball right now and so uh it'll be interesting to see down the way but like i said right now is the best time probably to have these injuries and of course they're in their position you're not like in the yankees position or the the blue jays position or their seattle mariners where you're still trying to make up ground to get to that wild card spot um sure with all that kind of stuff but alex do you want to transition to uh transition to injuries here's another guy that uh you know has been put on the aisle this year and you know he's still the face of baseball in my mind yeah but um yeah, Mr. Mike Trout right now at this season. I know you had an interesting kind of segment coming up with the war. Yeah, so yeah, I'll get into that right now. Um, so Mike Trout currently, Travis, uh, I guess I saw a tweet on, on, on Twitter that kind of sparked me to look into this a little bit. And I, uh, I, I found some interesting things I want to share with you and kind of get your thoughts on it. 
essentially the basis of the tweet was that Mike Trout has put up 2.3 uh, Fangraphs war as of this point. Um, obviously, he hasn't played since like May, right, Travis? Yeah, May 17th, yep. So having 2.3 war in that span is really, really... A day where we all died. Really insane. Yeah, it was, it was rough for Angels fans. We didn't know it would last this long, this, 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 <laughs> exactly. this painful stretch. But um, essentially, the basis of the tweet was that Mike Trout is has not played since May 17th, and he is third highest Fangraphs war on the Angels right now. Only two guys better than him for Fangraphs war on the Angels, and that is supposed to kind of make it look like the Angels are not a good team, and Trout, even though he's only played for like a month and a half, was like better than all of our players. And that's the basis of the tweet, right? That's what, that's what they're trying to imply yeah. there. So, Travis, first off, quick, quick trivia. Obviously, Otani is first in Angels Fangraphs war. Do you know who's second? Who's second? I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, talk us through it, and you get one guess. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say it's gonna be the all around just baseball stud David Fletcher. No, it is not. It wow, it is not. It is a, cur- a bit of a curveball. A guy you probably would not expect. Is it a guy that throws a good curveball? It's not. It's not. Oh my god, I was gonna say Patty Sando, but no. I, I think I think Sandoval is actually top three in baseball reference war. But okay, for for Fangraphs, the second best uh, war guy. On the Angels is Max Stassi. Wow, which is okay. interesting. So they must nice. really value against that that catching, uh, elite would, framing, that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah, I think that all gets factored in. So, so yeah, so Mike Trout is behind uh, Shohei Otani and Max Stassi um, in Fangraphs WAR. Trout, like I said, is sitting at two point three. So I was like, okay, Travis, I saw that tweet, and I'm like, in my mind, where would Trout stack up on some of the other teams in baseball? So I first took a look at some of the best teams um, that are kind of in the postseason picture. And I said, okay, if Trout was on this team, where would he be? Because on the Angels, he's third. And apparently the Angels are bad because of that. But Travis, I did some digging. And if Trout was on the San Francisco Giants, he would be third in Fangraphs War. And they're, and they're the best team record-wise in baseball, right? And that's with players that have been playing every single day, almost the entire season. This guy's been out since mid-May. Yeah, so he's only behind Posey and Brandon Crawford for their team. That's incredible. Their, yeah. their, their third guy in Fangraphs War is, is Darren Ruff with, wow. at, at 1.8. So Trout is a good step above him in terms of Fangraphs War. Um, and there's a handful of other teams, Travis. Like, I'm looking at the Dodgers now. The Dodgers have only five players above Trout. Um, that would be Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, Will Smith, Mookie, and uh, Justin Turner. Those are the only players that Who have, are all all-stars, you know. Right, and so Trout is behind... So Trout would be sixth on the Dodgers in Fangraphs War, and he has not played since wow. May 17th, wow. just a reminder. So I'm just trying to kind of go through some of these good teams and uh, let you know where, he, where he'd be at for them. Mike Trout would be fifth place on the Oakland Athletics, behind only Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Mark Hanna, and Matt Chapman. It's crazy that Matt Chapman still is getting the war, even though his, his offense has just been... It's not I, been good at all. I mean, all. it's just been awful. But then, of course, the defensive side, he's still putting up insane numbers. And that, of course, will... Hopefully get him to some sort of decent contract because um, the glove is always top notch. Absolutely. So it just kind of shows you that Travis, like we keep saying, he has not played since May seventeenth, and he'd be fifth place on the A's, who are kind of running towards a, a playoff spot at this point here. I'm just gonna keep going down this list of, of kind of good teams. Um, on the Astros, I actually looked that one up, and Mike Trout would not even be like top six. They have just too many good players. Good, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> e- 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 even a guy like Jordan Alvarez, who's a DH, already has more more WAR. It was just a bit of a crazy kind of number. Um, but, but what gets me is you're still saying the MLB leading 
San Francisco Giants and Mike Trout is still within that top five, you know, top yeah. three, like yeah. you said, too. And it's just like that is a surprise in itself. That just that just proves to me how how great of a season we could have had. <laughs> if you had a full Mike Trout season, it would have been him and Shohei Otani at the top for all of MLB. And I hope we'd be in a playoff spot or something close to that. But yeah, yeah, for, yeah, I, 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 absolutely. That that's, t- that's sort of the point of the whole kind of conversation. And uh, just wrapping it up, like the Boston Red Sox, Trout would be fifth place for them in terms of Fangraphs four, only behind Devers, Bogarts, Kike Hernandez, and JD Martinez. He'd be above Alex Verdugo by just a, a hair. And then for the Toronto Blue Jays, Trout would be fifth place for them as well, only behind Vladdy Vladdy Jr., Semyon Bichette, and Teoscar Hernandez. So Travis. All these elite like kind of playoff teams that we all kind of see making a run here, um, at least for the wild card, if not for the, their divisions, um, Mike Trout would be top five in WAR for pretty much all of them. Everyone except for the uh, the, the, the Dodgers, Astros. Dodgers, Dodgers. He was six, and the Astros, he was not top six. Yeah. But um, so I guess that just kind of sheds some light on how great Trout is, and people try to act like oh the Angels. There's no one else that can like surpass him in war in a full season, even though Trout's played for two months. But in, in in actuality, that's for everyone, Travis. No one on any team, very few guys can actually surpass him. What he can do in two months compared to what they can do in the full season. I guess. What, what do you make of this whole kind of segment? I guess. No. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you look back at some of the. You know, I look back at some some just absolute studs. You look back up. You know, back in the day, in the '90s or in in the 2000s, and, and some of these guys. I mean, they only had. Uh, you know, they only had single digit wars. Right. And you're looking at Mike Trout this season, and it's just like you played a month and a half, and you've already beat, you know, you've already cut this guy's career war in half by, you know, just performing in a month and a half. One guy that always, uh, you know, rings a bell in my ear when I, I think about war, and you think about a good player but had a just an awful war season was, uh, or a war career was uh, Dante Bichette. So mm-hmm. Bo Bichette's dad played, of course, for the Colorado Rockies, and. All-time war, I mean, it, it. you think about a guy that was just always known as a slugger in Colorado, but never really had the war to go along with it. I look at his career war, um, only a 5.6 on baseball reference, and Mike Trout already has a, a two-point-something, and you're like... In this in this In, in just season. one yeah. season. So you're, and then you look at, of course, in a full Mike Trout season, he's having an eight war. He's... He's destroying so many major leaguers in a career war sense. It's right. it's it's just insane when you yeah. see the guy and you see his age and then you see his career war as well. I mean, I mean, Charles, yeah. we, we we've kind of seen these kind of leaderboards where we've kind of almost tracked it. Like you know, in 2019, 2020, Trout's accruing this kind of you know high number of war, and he's surpassing Hall of Famers. Like I remember, he passed like Tony Gwynn, I think, like Rod Carew yep. in career war. These are guys who play like 20 seasons and are Hall of Famers you know, all-stars over 10 times kind yeah. of guys. And Trout in his first decade has pretty much already passed them and is just looking to build his lead and kind of put himself up in that top that top tier of, uh, I guess, sort of baseball history in terms of, like, these just all-time great players. So I, I just wanted to, like, kind of highlight, like, you know, we kind of have to, we have to defend our angels here, just kind of saying... You just want to highlight his greatness when he's out, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we do miss him. Hope he's back soon. I know he's traveling with the team uh, coming tomorrow on, yeah. when we start our road trip. So hopefully he can be back soon. But honestly, Travis, if they shut him down for the year and give Adele and Marsh some reps, I'm also okay with that. Yeah. Um, just because... At this point, we're kind of looking onwards to next season, hopefully. I would, I would rather have him just kind of, you know, sitting it out and kind of like Rendon, just kind of waiting for their shot for next year, kind of be hungry for next season. 
um, then try to rush things back and something else happens, like, you know, a re-aggravating calf injury. And then you see, okay, now it's even worse than the first one, um, you know, I, I, like an Achilles tear or something like that. And so, that, of course, you don't want to see that kind of stuff happen um, with trout. It kind of depends, like I always say, <laughs> I feel like I've been saying this every single week now we've been recording, but I think, of course, you look at next week, it really depends on the next week. I think next week is literally our season, Alex, um, with when it comes to games and, you know, what we can do in the next couple series uh, will I think really determine, of course, the season. It's kind of a, you know, if you want to just punt on it or if you want to at least try to get something competitive going. Yeah. Um, the only thing that sucks is now you're dealing, with, of course, with, you know, not your own division, but other divisions. Now you're actually looking at other divisions and you're saying to yourself, okay, we need help from these teams. Or, you know, when you look at the Yankees and the Blue Jays, both ahead of us, and they have a four-game series coming up, who do you root for? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you want you want one team to either just dominate or you take the split no, yeah. kind of. It, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I cheer for the split, hopefully, and hope we can sweep the Tigers or someone like that and try to, you know, make up some ground. But at, yeah. the, at this point, um, just trying to be realistic, I'm thinking towards next year. And even if we do somehow make a, make a run. It'd be kind of embarrassing. It, it, if we go on a run, we're going to be probably overworking Otani and stuff like that in that run. I just kind of want to keep everyone healthy and, and, and everything kind of, you know, if Otani wins MVP... That can be a W in and yeah, of itself. Definitely. And we can kind of just hold that and hopefully uh, just try to continue improving next year. Plus, seeing a, a one game wild card and we're at Boston Fenway Park and you have Jack Mayfield playing shortstop or third and you have yeah. Gooses Loose Goslin playing third. I feel like I'd just be like, yeah, this, this team really shouldn't well, shouldn't really be here based on our injuries. You might want to start drinking now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Charis, just kind of continue transitioning here. Um, I also wanted to kind of do a little touch on the Braves and how they've kind of been surging as of late um they're a team who I think no matter how you slice it people thought they'd be a bit better yeah um at this point they're now making a late push to take over the division because we've discussed it multiple times the winner of the NL East is going to make the postseason and whoever gets second is probably not going to have a chance because that wild card both spots are probably coming out of the National League West if not, maybe the Reds can try to sneak in, but it really, we don't see really uh, a Phillies, a Braves, uh, and, any, and the Mets, any team from the NL East trying to sneak in there. It'd be very unlikely. No. So, Travis, just kind of talk me through what you see right now from the Braves, what you see right now from the Phillies and the Mets, because these teams are all within, I think, two games of each other, all trying to make a push for the winning of the division. So, where do you see those teams kind of stacking up going forward? Um, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, of course, a resurgence. I mean, Freddie Freeman has just been flat out, you know, great again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of doing what he does always. I've seen a kind of a resurgence in Ozzy Albies. He's yeah. been very, I think he has four home runs the last four games. So he's been very hot the last week. Um, same thing with uh, Austin Riley. I'm looking right now at their top 12 players on baseball reference. He's fourth on the team in uh, in war. And okay. the two people, the two, uh, or actually the three people in front of him are Acuna, and then it's Max Freed and Charlie Morton. So he's the second position player wow. right now, the top position player on the team in war. So kind of an interesting thing to see, because I know he's just known for power yeah. when it comes to his aspects of the game. But, you know, you see Dansby Swanson kind of getting, you know... I think he homered today, actually. Yeah, he's had a very hot, I would say, August, and also the end of July, too. I know he had a huge game against uh, um, Brandon Woodruff and, and the Milwaukee Brewers a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, and so seeing him kind of get back into it, everyone's kind of picking up the slack from what Acuna left off. And then also, you know, you're picking up uh, 
Jock Peterson, picking up Duvall, picking up some of these big pieces. I think also Eddie Rosario. They've got a lot of good pieces to... They, um, they, they didn't give up at the deadline when they were, you know, yeah. not not super close to taking over the division yet. I think they definitely saw that as being, you know, we're only four... If you're only, we're only four games back and really, you know, we see the Mets not holding on to this lead. And then, of course, the Phillies just will always be there. The Phillies are still a very strong team. I think they still have the edge and, and the overall, you know, all-around power of the team, I would say. Uh, you know, you want to face the Phillies. You talk about going against Wheeler. I mean, that would just be an absolute right. just, I mean, that would be that'd be it's, pretty it's, scary it's, to go it's against. It's a tall task, yeah. And so, I mean, getting them in and, you know, right now, of course, with the Braves, though, you have a lot of good starting pitching. Like I said, Charlie Morton and Max Freed. I don't think uh, Soroka is going to be coming back this year. Right. Um, but, you know, Ian Anderson, too, uh, another guy that could be, you know, nice nice impact on this season as well. So I see the Braves just kind of slowly getting back into it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, this division is far from over. I still think the Mets still have something left. Maybe DeGrom can come back in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I think I think DeGrom, Lindor, and Baez are all like either on the IL or day-to-day. They're all like in these kind of like... It, it's <laughs> Mets fans are having a bit of a, a nightmare, Travis. I do feel, they are. I do feel for them because it is very Angels-esque the way that they're kind of the little brother of their city and they have some generational talent, but the injuries are absolutely killing them at the worst time. So, um, yeah, I, I, like, I like a lot what you said about the whole the whole division race. It almost feels kind of cruel, Travis, that like either the Braves or the Phillies or the Mets are going to have like a guaranteed NLDS appearance, whereas either the Dodgers or the Padres are probably going to only get one game in the playoffs, which is just kind of uh, almost tragic. It is. It, that, that's a great point bringing up, too, that, you know, seeing some of these teams, you know, at least the Brewers have been very dominant the whole year. I give, I give that to them. I mean, like I've always said, I, when we get into October, I really want to, of course, talk about the Brewers because I think that starting rotation is going to be something that we talk about for years. I have a really good feeling the Brewers will be really good in October. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, 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 it'd be really funny to see, of course, Philly or the Braves. You know, the Braves kind of just limping into the playoffs and they don't have to play in a wild card game. But you have these two just, I mean, just super behemoth, just monsters and the Dodgers and the Padres fighting over in one game you know, either right. at Dodger Stadium or even at Petco Park. Um, but yeah, it, that would be, of course, a pretty a pretty interesting, you know, loser would probably feel very cheated in this season because yeah. you know that you It'd put that, you put either of those teams against the Brewers and the Braves in a four-game series, or a, in a five or, or a seven-game series. They have a great shot. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, Interesting thing, the NLS, I know we've always covered it this year. I know me and you both had kind of our sleepers or our overrated teams in the NL East. Right. Um, with my underrated being the Phillies and my overrated being the Mets and your overrated being the Braves. It seems like these teams are all just kind of, you know, no, no one, playing with our emotions. Yeah, no one has quite decided I want to run away with this thing. Whereas, like, it feels like a lot of divisions, someone's running away. The Brewers have really run away. If you're looking at the AL side of things in the Central, the White Sox have really kind of run away. The race have not fully run away, but it feels like they're really kind of taking control of that, and the Astros have totally run away. But yeah. In, in the Actually, as of today, the A is only two and a half back. Really? So well, two I and st- a half back I, in I stand the AL West. There. So, I, I, I really do think the Astros are going to pull away because they have had a bit of a rough, rough patch here. I do know that the schedule features, um, including this series that we're in right now, You know, it's 10 games. So there's, after today, the series ends against the Angels, and they'll still have... I believe two seven more games against the Angels, which, depending on how our <laughs> how our September goes, Travis, it may be some free wins for the Astros. We'll see when we get there. But um, 
I really do feel like the Astros have a the strength schedule wise um, can really. I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to have the best record in the AL. Yeah, we'll it, see how that goes because the Rays keep you know proving and, us wrong. But. And with a win today, they do bring back the best record in the AL. Um, but one point I want to bring up too with the AL and the American League Central. It'll be interesting to see how the White Sox, now that they've pretty much won the division, I mean, I don't see, you know, you don't see Detroit oh, no. making any no, sort no, of no. a comeback. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> the White Sox have won the AL Central, and it's just interesting to see if how that translates into October. We've seen so many Angels teams just cruise the playoffs. You know, they win the they win the division in, in the beginning of September. They get swept in October. It's interesting to see maybe if the White Sox are that way or if they kind of turn it on, because you see a lot of these other other teams, Rays, Red Sox, even the Yankees, and then, of course, Seattle, Oakland, even Houston, still, you know, playing contention, high baseball, high leverage spots. Um, that'll, of course, be really interesting to see how that goes. Of course, White Sox' goal right now is probably to get the number one seed, because that's that, that'd be great, because they, their division they, they got, is so yeah, weak. <laughs> yeah, they'd rather be facing the winner of the A's, Yankees, or the A's, Red Sox, than face the winner of either the Astros or, or the race. Trevor, speaking of the White Sox, let's do a quick bit about uh, the Field of Dreams games we saw because yeah, that's that, a good coverage. That, that was a huge story this week. Um, and I feel like most of you listening probably know about it, but so we don't have to give you the full, full breakdown. But essentially, we saw some great, we saw a great, um, you know, Andrew Heaney versus um, who was it? Oh, Big Lance Lynn. Big Heen dog against the uh, Lance Cy Lynn, Young of guy. Course, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> look, Charles, I guess just kind of talk to us about the way the White Sox, you know, clutched out that game, and I guess what you saw from those players um, on that day. You can also talk about the Yankees too, because seeing Stanton and Judge come up big in that ninth inning, um, you know, what do you see from those teams? And I, it almost felt like a playoff game, right? Because every, oh, for you, sure. you knew everyone was watching. You had uh, you know Fox coverage. And it was such a big uh, nationally televised event that. Um, it almost felt like that's almost good experience for like <laughs> an ALDS game. So, wh- wh- what, do you, what do you take away from that like, that game? And I guess what the White Sox did there. Yeah, and first off, it would I mean it was probably like it was it was an A plus by baseball. It was an A plus by you know what they did and how they thought about this. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. Um, I think I saw something too. It was the highest rated and highest watched game in a regular season game in 16 years mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. So. Um, I mean, just a great job. That really, I think everyone was just was extremely happy. Just the emotions came out from everybody. The, so the, there's been so much to complain about with the way the MLB has handled stuff the last couple yeah, of years. It's nice to get it, something. This, this was the big W. It, it's nice to get something like that. And you know, the game was tremendous. I mean, we saw. Uh, it was funny how we. I thought one team was just going to dominate on the offense, and one team was just going to kind of you know, not perform. Um, I think the the White Sox, of course, were the the. Um, most more powerful team in the game, obviously. But, I mean, what a comeback by the Yankees. I mean, being down 7-4 and then coming back with two huge two-run homers from Judge and then Stanton, kind of the big uh, big power hitters of the lineup. And so um, seeing them come back, and, of course, you see the response from Tim Anderson. Um, that was awesome. It was funny because about two or three weeks ago, he was in an interview, and someone said, who's the most exciting player in baseball? And he said, myself. And then the guy was like, really? And he's like, yeah, why not talk about myself? I'm the most exciting player, ba- baseball player. I thought, of course, that was pretty funny because everyone will say Shohei Otani, but it's good to have that sort of confidence. And of course, right. he can back it up by hitting uh, an oppo shot into the into the corn, which <laughs> I mean, into the corn, which is so cool to see that kind of stuff uh, in the game. But I mean, yeah, I mean, great pitching, a little bit of a meltdown from Liam Hendricks. I don't think that'll get to him too much, but um, yeah, it, it was it was a very very awesome experience, something that we all needed to watch, you know, with 
playing baseball in Iowa. And, you know, congrats to uh, Abreu for being the first uh, homer hit in Iowa. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Not a headline we maybe saw coming, but yeah, that's it's, it's super awesome special, to see. Yeah. yeah, super awesome to see that MLB kind of, they went all in on this kind of almost fun like it's not an exhibition game it's a, obviously a full yeah. season game but i feel like almost like a like an experience like let's just like kind of make this you know it, it was funny travis i was like my first thought when i saw like the first pitch like i was like there's no strike zone box why would they take that away i'm like oh wait this field probably does not have the technology to like yeah, track right. this kind of stuff like they don't have a, an automatic strike zone tracker they don't have like a you know miles per hour spin rate kind of tr- all these kind of crazy trackers that like the pro mlb stadiums do that cast was not allowed <laughs> it was it was not it was not in the picture i i, I don't think we know the exit velocity of the of the tim anderson home run but that but that's okay and it, it was it made for a very fun like one day event and it's already been announced confirmed that they're going to continue this kind of event uh going forward so travis i think you mentioned it on twitter but what who do you think what would be some good outcomes for a potential uh 2022 I feel the dreams game. I think you got to keep it still like old school with those teams. You know, Yankees and White Sox have been around for over 100 years. Um, I think, of course, Cardinals and Cubs make sense because it's a huge rivalry. And you also have... Fans would turn up for that. You would. And you would have, of course, they're kind of, of course, the fan bases are close to the Field of Dreams location. Of course, Chicago being, you know, I think about two or three, three hours away from uh, Dyersville, Iowa. And then you got, of course, St. Louis, probably same distance, two or three hours away. So I think that would be a very cool... um, you know, showdown. We'll have to see about that. Um, you know, you could also see some other teams as well. I think, of course, with the movie Field of Dreams, it was so focused on the White Sox um, and Shoeless Joe Jackson. And then, of course, the Yankees just being the Yankees and America's team, pretty much. You had to put that matchup. It was interesting when they first announced it last year. I was wondering why these two teams, but you kind of, of course, realize, okay, now I get it why these two they're, teams. They're going to be good teams. Exactly. Exactly. The history there. I can't imagine, you know, the Minnesota Twins and the Tampa Bay Rays because I, you right. know, just no, no real, you know, real history with those two teams, um, right. being that the Rays have only been a team for about almost 30 years. And so, um, I, of course, see, of course, Cardinals and Cubs just because those two teams have been around for so long. Uh, maybe something like the Reds, too. Um, I could see the Reds being involved. Maybe the Pirates, too. Um, I think they, of course, want to have a good matchup. So I think Cubs and Cardinals would be a very high-viewed game if they had, you know, the Pirates and the Reds. That might not be the, a very yeah, well, very high-viewing high, high viewing game. But that's yeah. a, it's a good point because that has to be a factor. The fact that mm-hmm. the White Sox, as well as the Yankees, going into the season, we thought Yankees would be like the AL favorites, but... Even still, even though they're just a wild card kind of contender, the talent is there for an exciting, exciting yeah. game. It, the Cardinals versus Cubs makes a lot of sense because of history and the proximity to the stadium. But if the Cubs are going to be punting, like they're kind of rebuilding and punting, it might make for a less exciting game. So I think those are great teams to pick. But I wonder if it'd be crazy if the Cubs somehow like lost their kind of bid to be in that game because like, oh, like... You're gonna be like, you know, I don't even know, like twenty and sixty to start the year next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you, your record's too bad. We're, we're not gonna put you in that uh, in that game. But that, that that'd be crazy if that was ended up being the case. The only thing is, I see their fans, of course, dra- traveling very well with the team. You know, I feel like you would right. every every single park, and if the Cubs are playing, the fans are traveling too. So that, of course, could be the main reason why. Um, and then, of course, Cardinals. You know, just being that rivalry, I could see that. I mean, I feel like every Sunday we get Sunday night baseball games that they have no business being on TV. Today, of course, it's Dodgers and Mets. That's two really good teams, of course, I want to watch. Um, but, yeah, I feel like sometimes you'll you'll see a Cubs-Cardinals Sunday night baseball game, and it's like, 
okay, both these teams are under 500. Why are we watching this game right now? Why is this, why is why is Matty V calling this game instead of the Angels? Yeah. Uh, and so, but I, I think of course that those two teams are you know they they have some you know relativity when it comes to that you know sort of situation yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah, we'll see. It, it'll be very exciting. I'm glad they're going to be doing this. Um, you know, it's funny. I think whoever I don't know whoever owns that property, but I just I was thinking about you know all these all these tournaments with all these amateur kids, all these different leagues. I mean, imagine how many, how many games or, or tournaments they can hold at that field. Yeah. That'd be, you know, people would pay big bucks to play on that field. Um, it's kind of a moneymaker for whoever owns that property and whoever is running that show. Right. Um, it's, it's really cool to see. Maybe even have some college games there because the dimensions are all right. You can hold 8,000 people and who wouldn't want to hit a ball into corn? You know, it, 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 it's right. a really cool experience. The maze, the old setting of the old house and the farm from the movie and that field as well. Um, and seeing that one kid on Twitter uh, hit a home run, a grand slam into the corn from that one travel ball team. Right. Um, that's got to be a crazy moment for that kid. You know, just, I mean, hitting a ball into a field of corn. I mean, I feel like it's 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 very boring, but it's very Once just... Once in a lifetime. Exactly, exactly. It's very cool to see that kind of stuff, too. But, and people, yeah. brought, people brought up these other kind of movies, Travis, where you can almost try to do a similar kind of spin. One that I always saw on Twitter was, like, the Sandlot game. Like, Sandlot, obviously, the main uh, one of the main characters, like, became a Dodger at the end of the movie, so, like, Dodgers could play whoever they wanted, like, Padres or someone at a, at a Sandlot recreation. That, that wouldn't really work because it's just, it's it's a Sandlot. It's like, imagine that infield of just dirt. And you have to find, like, the worst field in <laughs> baseball. I'm trying to think which baseball stadium has just the worst infield. Uh, but, yeah, you'd have to find just a, 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 a infield yeah. of just complete just yeah, yeah, trash. Yeah, and, But, but like, it, it, it is cool to see the idea of, like, um, there's potential here for even other opportunities beyond the movie field of dreams. You could look at other movies or other kind of unique exhibition ideas. Hey, backyard baseball for uh, Nintendo. That's right. Uh, Game Boy. I, I, you know, I, I saw a lot, one, of, a lot of fields. I've been waiting to you know see I, baseball played on. I saw someone do the tweet about like we like we sports like the original oh, yeah, yeah. baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But but Charles, I think the one that we would both think is hilarious or just like a, a funny idea in general is of course Moneyball, a great movie. We both love it. It's just the Oakland Coliseum. So what if what if it just had an Angels versus A's game? Just a regular game where they just advertised it as Moneyball. Yeah, no, but I, it's I just saw the, that tweet. It, it's just yeah. the everyday stadium. It's yeah, like, yeah, but, most boringest baseball stadium in America. So but, yeah, but there's a lot of potential with the ideas that they could go with. Um, it's great marketing by the MLB. It is. It, it got is. like we said that that big mass viewership on national TV. It helps the sport a lot because Definitely. there's so many exciting players um, that. It feels like players like Tatis, players like Shohei Otani, players like Mike Trout, um, they're not marketed the same way that like LeBron James is, that uh, you know Kevin Durant yeah. is, that uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, yeah. the other uh, elite athletes of the American sports leagues, um, even international stuff like Messi, Ronaldo. I feel like more people know about them yeah, in America. Ta- Tiger Woods in, too. Yeah. Yeah, more people know about them in America than they know about Fernando Tatis, it seems like, yeah. almost. So yeah. it, it really seems like these are great opportunities for the MLB to get more eyes on their stars, which is what every baseball fan wants. We want the sport to continue to grow in America and uh, get the hype going again. Um, yeah, and so... And I think something cool is next Sunday, of course, Angels will be playing the Indians in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, at the uh, Little League uh, Classic, I think, the Little League World Series Classic, whatever. It was cool to see the Angels be selected because I think last year it was like... Pirates and Phillies or Phillies and it was it was something with those teams but it's cool to have new teams every single year and this year the Angels got selected to play the Indians um hopefully it's not a boring game but uh you know hopefully maybe Shohei can get a start but uh, most likely probably not 
Uh, but yeah, I know it's cool to see that kind of stuff too, where you're seeing these kind of these fun little regular season, but they feel like exhibition games where it's more about, you know, having fun. You're doing on-field interviews. Um, you're kind of bringing just, you know, other, other audiences into the game to watch. Um, and then of course you see all the Little League World Series kids, you know, in attendance for the games, you know, watching their heroes play. Um, it's just, it's terrible to not have a guy like Trout playing in the game. Right. Um, I can imagine, of course, with the Japanese presence at the Little World Series, Shohei is just going to get, you know, just crazy, crazy attention and love from all those, yeah. um, you know, Team Korea, um, you know, just those teams around that area. They're going to get, you know, so much coverage and Shohei. They'll probably just be, I could see them probably being in tears meeting Shohei Otani for the first time because he's probably just such an icon and idol for some of those kids. So, and, and the, um, uh, yeah. The, you mentioned the on-field interviews. That's such a good point because... That made the Field of Dreams game even that much more special. Exactly. Like, it's super fun to see the stadium and these two great teams going at it. But getting sort of the full experience of, like, I mean, they were interviewing Liam Hendricks from the bullpen before he obviously kind of blew the game there. But um, they're I was going to say, it would be good, it'd be good to get interview him during the, uh, during the, during the uh, last during, night inning because he'd probably be cussing <laughs> oh, and, and be saying some things that wouldn't be allowed. That, that wouldn't be good. But, but yeah, the, seeing them kind of discuss, I know they asked them, like, you just recently acquired Craig Kimbrell to your bullpen. Is there any kind of dispute between the the bullpen arms? Like, who's the closer? Who's the man? And he's like, of course not. Like, it was cool hearing his perspective because people kind of always thought like, okay, you just added Kimbrell and you're already paying Liam Hendricks the biggest salary a closer's ever had. So yeah. who's going to be that ninth inning guy? And he kind of said, he kind of diffused it saying, we don't really care who the ninth inning guy is. We're trying to win baseball games. We know we can win the World Series, so we're not going to focus on the stupid kind of yeah. bickering. And of, what the media wants to hear, they want to hear a dispute. They want to hear yeah. Liam say, no, I'm the guy. Kimbrough can sit down when, you know, Kimbrough's having a season that's like no other. Uh, Hendricks was a setup guy in Oakland when they had Blake Trinan, when he was going crazy, I think, in 2018 and 19. So I think they just they want to try to get that out of you. And, of course, the good players and the smart players – of course, won't even buy into that. They'll just say, we're out here having fun. We're trying to win a baseball game. If I have to be using the 8th, the 7th, that's fine. Yeah, and, and it's, 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 of course, that's what every fan of the White Sox wants to hear. Exactly. Uh, just kind of professionals going uh, going about it the best way they can. Travis, I think we can ramp up here by talking about some Angels stuff. Um, a few things I wanted to mention. First of all, we can talk about how good, I guess, Adele and Marsh have been. We watched the games, and even though they haven't been like all-stars, um, we see a lot of things we like from them. And so uh, last night we saw Adele make a great diving catch in left field down in the corner, like almost like a borderline foul ball, almost like a borderline home run, because right there in that corner, kind of a short corner in uh, in Anaheim, Adele makes a diving catch, gets his, gets his uniform nice and dirty, and he celebrates after making that catch because he knew um, that he's been working on his defense a lot in the minors, that that's the word at least. After a lot of defensive struggles last year uh, in 2020, his first MLB kind of showing the defense was not good, and he's working on it. And we saw him make a great, like a web gem catch, Travis. That's like an ESPN top ten kind of catch. Um, and of course, we've seen Brandon Marsh not be a great contact hitter so far, but he has had some great at bats. He works full counts quite a bit. He, he always battles at the plate. It seems like, and his defense, Travis, it's already like he's a veteran. It's it's been really great. So, what have you liked seeing from those guys? And I guess what do you kind of hope for them this season and next season? Yeah, like you said, too, Marsh already looks like a five-year veteran in the outfield. I mean, he's playing the center field with so much um, so much comfort. That's something we did not see from Adele last year when mm -hmm. he played the outfield. So Marsh already looks like he's got defense already dialed in. Of course, there's always room for improvement, but he looks really good out there. Not too worried, of course, on the offensive um, side of it. You know, I think he'll easily be picking it up, um, you know, to be put into Major League Baseball and to say in your first 20 games, you need to be hitting, you know, 
you know, 400. You need to be doing mm-hmm. insane. That's not going to happen. So getting these games and these reps in, and I would say it's it's almost, you're playing like almost in October baseball. You, you're still not out of it, but of course you're not really in it too much. Yeah. There's, and not, so, there's not this crazy pressure. Exactly. There's not too much pressure, but there's also the pressure of, hey guys, you know, if we put together a couple wins and a couple winning streaks, we can possibly be back into things. Um, but right now, of course, seeing those two guys, that's all I want to see. I want to see Adele and Marsh get reps. I don't want to see Eaton. Thank God they designated for assignment him today. Don't really want to see him playing too much because he's not going to be a contribution next year. Um, I just want to see these two guys play. And then going to Adele, I mean, making that great diving catch. We've seen some great catches from him by by in the last week. We've seen yeah. Adele make some of these great diving catches. Um, offense, too, looks pretty good. I mean, so far, it's, I think it's about a 260-something batting average. Um but you know what? I mean, it's it's looking like he's a lot more comfortable at the plate than last year. Last year, of course, um, had a big old leg kick, too. I think was really trying to make a huge impact for the Angels. Um, and I know the fans wanted him to come to, you know, the team during the whole COVID restrictions. They had a test, you know, a, a practice site in Long Beach. They wanted him on the team um, when Trout, of course, was out. Um, when his baby was being born. So they wanted Adele. And he, I think he really got rushed last year. It was really, you know... A tough thing to watch, but it's really proven really nicely this year. Really like to see Marsh and Adele almost kind of just get those, you know, 40 game reps in. And then, of course, kind of break out in 2022. I think they'll be starting in the outfield. They should be um, alongside with Trout. Um, I think both Adele and Marsh are proven to be way better defenders than Justin Upton. And right now with Upton struggling, oh, absolutely. Um, it makes just too much sense to have, you know, um, Adele and Marsh, yeah, yeah, playing right now. And one question, too, is to you, um, you know, related to Justin Upton, I mean, what do you see Angels doing? Is he a guy that you could just say, would they just dump him and still pay him, or would they keep him on the bench? I, I, he could be a really good lefty, probably pinch hitter, but we don't really see Madden being that kind of coach right now. Yeah, He's either going to start you, or you're not going to play at all, and then he's going to bring you in for a pinch hit against a righty, which would make no sense at all. Yeah. Um, but what do you see Upton being like, because he only has, you know, about, you know, this season and then one more season left on the contract. Yeah, so I I have a lot of, I, you know, Upton's been up and down, the best way to put it. In 2019, he had a big injury issue, and it really prevented him from getting a good start to the year. He started the year on the IL, and then he continued kind of slumping throughout the year. In 2020, he started poorly, and he finished really hot. And then this year, he had a bit of a hot streak, too. But if you look at the overall numbers it's really not impressive at all uh, at least to me i think you know i you know he's he's been he's been a guy that you know when he's hot the fans really like him and he's had a good impact um there's this whole leadoff upton craze that was happening for a bit there and i honestly just think he got hot at the right time uh, i do think it is officially time to just be focusing on adele and marsh when trout comes back i think upton should really be getting no starts at all unless obviously there's an injury in the outfield maybe um I would I would love to find a way to get him traded. It's a contract no one's gonna really want to take because his production has been kind of lacking. Um, I'm not sure who would take it. I don't think anyone would take Maybe it. Maybe we just do a straight up David Price for Justin Upton trade for the Dodgers, and we could just say we'll take both their contracts, or you know, we'll we each switch each other's contracts. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I see, and then obviously we have some use for Price, but I don't know how the Dodgers would even want to use Upton, just knowing that they have Pollock, they have Betts, Bellinger. Hey, he could be Tio Upton. Hey, that's a good point. He will give some nice hugs in the dugout. And he'll actually probably run down the baseline and probably maybe beat out some ground balls. So a little bit more of an athlete compared to Albert Pujols. And, of course, a lot younger. He'll be 35 next year. So 
You know what, Charles? That's a good point. I'm on the it could T- work. the Tio Upton uh, hype train. <laughs> I like that. But um, but yeah, essentially, I'm of the mindset currently that Adele and Marsh need to be the focus, getting them developed, getting them their reps. They've already proven defensively that Upton just has no place in the outfield. No. With with you know considering them, um, I actually wrote down some numbers here uh, to look at for. I guess some of the Angels' poor performers. So I did highlight Upton. Upton currently has the 14th worst defensive run saved stat, <laughs> and that's all in all of baseball. Wow. So 14th worst at defensive run saved, um, and he's at a 95 OPS plus before today. So that's not even it's not even like the bats making up for it really because the bat no. is below average and he, the, fiel- the fielding is bottom 14 in the league. And you had a nice little three week experiment with the whole leadoff that was yeah. really working, and I was like, wow. I mean, this is kind of just weird and stupid, but. Uh, in my mind, I was also thinking, can we get this guy out of here? Can we get a trade? Because I mean, he's, yeah. he he had like a, a, a three fifty average on base was near near four you know four hundred and yeah. slugging was like, like seven or six like almost a month yeah. And I was like, do you think we can get this guy out of here? Like, I mean, maybe this is a good way to get him out during the yeah. trade deadline. And of course, you know, got hurt, came back, moved him back to the three four hole, and has it's just been same up then yeah. And then so Upton obviously, like we just mentioned, the bat has been below average and the feeling has been very bad. A couple other guys I wanted to highlight with, you know, below average offense and defense that the Angels need to kind of address here. Uh, Kurt Suzuki, we harp on him a lot, but he is he is 10th worst in baseball in defensive runs saved. So he's a bottom 10, like, defender, and he's playing catcher. I think, which he's, is, I think he's bottom everything. Which baseball. is a premier position, right, Travis? Exactly. We need a catcher that has at least, at least average That's defense. what's going to help control the game and help pitching and help the pitchers out is your battery mate and your catcher and... God, what we see this year has just been—it's not been good. <laughs> and so, so like I said, the tenth worst defensive run save for Suzuki that combines with a sixty OPS, so a way below average. Jeez. And then uh, the third guy I wanted to highlight uh, is Jose Iglesias, just because Jose Iglesias, Travis. Some fans, I'm sure, like him a lot because he does provide some energy. He makes he makes some very flashy plays, right? Um, but the overall, the the negatives I'll say I'll be the positives. So. Um, an 84 OPS plus. So even though he has a bit of power and has some clutch at bats, the bat is below average and you want to see better uh, if you're going to have a, a below average defender as well. So he has a minus 0.6 baseball reference war, a 0.9 fangraphs war. So it's it's not great. It's not amazing either way. And Chavis, he has a career low in defensive runs saved and ultimate zone rating to advanced defensive stats. Career lows. So just in terms of the advanced defensive stats, he has a career low. He also has a career low in fielding percentage. So if you want to look at the, wow. the traditional defensive stats too, it's not been good either way you look at it. Like you can look at his errors, you can look at the the shifting and stuff. It's not been good no matter how you slice it. He, that defensive uh, run saved I mentioned, the minus 14, is the third lowest uh, in all of baseball. That's weird. And, and going back to spring training, he, in my opinion, was like, almost one of our best the hitters. Se- the secret weapon. And I was just like, man, Jose Iglesias, like, could he be that, like, I, I was praying he wouldn't be tremendous great that we would say, okay, we're going to get get this guy to a long-term deal. I did not want this guy. I knew he'd be a one-year rental. That's what he is this year. And I, it's kind of sad to say I was a little happy that he was kind of struggling because I did not want the Angels to just be fooled into, into signing this guy for, you know, three or four years and we'd be stuck with Jose Iglesias at shortstop, something like a Zach Cozart deal. Um, where we're stuck with this guy. Uh, and yeah, spring training was unbelievable. I mean, he made, I feel like he made web gems every single day uh, during the spring training games. And then power, I think he had about four or five home runs in spring training and he only has eight this season. So 
uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you know, starts gets hot at the wrong time, I guess kind of at the right time in spring training because you want to prove yourself. But ever since opening day, Iglesias just has been, you know, he's kind of just a, it's just an interesting, you know, piece of the Angels this year. You know, seeing him bat in the three and four hole past couple games, um, the past couple weeks, uh, it's just been a little bit uh, it, sad. It's not what you want to <laughs> see, you know, the 84 OPS plus points, the fact that he's a below average bat. Um, and I get it. He does have some clutch ABs. He gets in these kind of hot streaks, kind of like Upton does too. But um, at, at the end of the day, you want to see more either offensively or defensively. It's almost like pick one. Pick pick your pick your struggle. Yeah, like this. yeah, exactly. Either be like the league average batter and like a league average fielder or be good at one, bad at the other. Yeah. If you're going to be below average at both, it's not going to work. Um, the web gems are great, but... In actuality, I feel like it's more about the kind of the common plays is what really makes the difference. I would much rather have a common play made than yeah. a bunch of web gems. <laughs> and, yeah. And, yeah. and Travis, the big the big kind of kicker is that the Angels let walk probably the best common playmaker in Angelton Simmons, a guy who you just kind of see make every play uh, yeah. game in, game out. The most reliable shortstop defensively in baseball probably. Uh, and he, of course... Uh, is putting up a great defensive season again, but his bat has been poor as well. So it's almost like mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. least he kind of picked his struggle for the Twins this year, where he's going to be a great defender and a really bad hitter. But um, Iglesias has been a pretty meh hitter and, and a really bad defender so far. So um, those are some weak spots I wanted to highlight with the Angels right now, um, and they're going to be addressed. I am almost positive in the off season. There's going to be a different let's, shortstop. Let's hope. I know. There's going to be a lot of options. Trevor Story, uh, of course, Carlos Correa will be a free agent. Uh, Javi Baez would be a free agent. Uh, Corey Seager would be a free agent. So tons of shortstop options for the Angels um, and, to and try to pursue someone. And let's kind of move to that area right now because I want to talk about that because I know we talked about it, I think, a couple of days ago on our just our Twitter you know, analysis and all those yeah, debacles. Our, but, our ramblings and the yeah, DMs. But moving forward when you look at that, I mean, the shortstop is a guy that we need to pick up this, this offseason. I don't think it's going to be via trade. I think it's going to be free agent because there are five pretty good shortstops on the market. Um, of course, we have like our top three, our top two, and our, our top guys. I think me and you both agree. Correa and Seager are the two guys we both want to target because yeah. Story has seen a little bit of a decline the past couple of years. Um, Baez is just a guy we don't want to talk about because that, that's literally that's literally Iglesias 2.0. Yeah, it's better, Iglesias with better defense. Better at everything, but it's the same kind of player, and we don't need that. You know, I think when it comes down to it, Seager would be a great option because a, he's struggling this season, so he's probably not going to be getting all the money that he was expecting from last year's postseason. Right. You know, and last year's season also, the regular season was fantastic. And this spring training, he was on another level. That's why I think so many guys thought he'd be an MVP this year. Um, we're not going to get, of course, the, the the money he, I think, expected, but he'll get a good, you know, contract. Um, also being from, you know, living in LA for all of his professional career, yeah. you know, why not just move over to Orange County and play for the Angels for five or six something seasons uh, and, you know, still make a very good salary and really good money. Uh, I think it's a very good option for Seager. Um, Correa as well. I think Correa is, is a great piece because I think he's not sticking around for the Astros next season. They made him kind of a disrespectful offer. And I think that both parties will part ways. Uh, right. from that deal. So I think that they're definitely, um, you know, he's definitely going to be looking for teams. And I think that, you know, why not still stay in the same division in the AL West and play for the Angels? Um, it'd be a very good move um, because, 
like kind of like Seager. I don't see them both returning. Seager won't return because Trey Turner is definitely probably going to be taking the spot they, they at have, shortstop. They have Trey Turner. They have Gavin Lux from Midland Field. Yeah, yeah. They have other youngsters yeah. coming up in, through the system. It's yeah. almost a guarantee. I feel like Seager will not be a Dodger the, the, next year. They'll just have to p- kind of pick who they're going to pay. Yeah. And so. And like you said earlier, Kershaw, Scherzer. A couple of years later, you got Bueller and Bellinger. You and, got some and, big and, contracts. And right now, you're already paying bets price. And, uh, and the ba- famous and Bauer, and the famous Bauer, they're all yeah. making over thirty mil. It's like this: how can how can you possibly re-sign Scherzer and Kershaw and Seager? I feel like it can't yeah. happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I've been surprised with the Dodgers because I feel like they just have money coming from somewhere, probably some like offshore illegal bank accounts <laughs> or something like that. But no, you know, but, but Travis, but Travis, I have nothing but respect for the fact that they're down to spend because no, that's yeah, what makes yeah, a winner. Yeah. That's what makes a winner. Five years of just of just historic, you know, dominance for the LA Dodgers right now. Um, it's just kind of unfair because we're just staring at, you know... Our, Angels, our, our, our billionaire owner doesn't want to spend like Angels the are staring at a problem that, that the, I think the fans know and that the media knows, but I don't know if the front office or the owner knows. And so it just it gets a little frustrating when every single year you say, oh, maybe the pitching should be better. Well, you know, smarter that's, team, a, that's a question we were asking about. Yeah, smarter teams like the Dodgers and the Rays, they'll address it properly and, and Angels will fail too. But um, essentially, Travis, yeah... Uh, you brought up a lot of good points about kind of Correa and Seager. I do think they both would be great fits. One thing I want to touch on is that, first of all, they both have been in the playoffs a lot, so they have that kind of experience. They've both had big moments in the playoffs, which would bring a sort of level of experience, a level of like, I've been there, I've done that to the rest of the team. Guys like Fletcher, guys like Walsh, guys like Otani even, and Trout barely. Guys who have really never made a big postseason uh, splash. So see, kind of having a guy on their team that can kind of give them some insight would be helpful. Um, and besides the fact, Travis, I think especially Correa, maybe Seager too, but I think especially Correa is a guy who I think really wants to be competitive. I'm sure he wants to get paid uh, in some in some regard, but I don't think he wants to go to like some you know garbage team that is going to offer him all the money in the world. I think based on the way he – I think he's a chip on our shoulder essentially. He wants to kind of prove that he's this all-star kind of guy. He wants to kind of uh, – I guess continue to prove himself. So, I do. If 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 the Angels can kind of sell them on like we have Trout, we have Otani, we have you know Fletcher and Walsh on these kind of longer deals, um, we have control over these guys. We need to add a couple pieces and we'll be a huge threat. Tell Korea, hey, we're gonna get Scherzer or we're gonna get this guy or that guy, and say we're gonna have a special team here. We can probably have a better shot at getting these competitive guys to come to our team if that's gonna be the case. Uh, last thing I'll add on that is that also Brandon Crawford was just extended by the Giants. And people thought the Giants would be a player for a big shortstop. They already have their guy. They found their guy in their own system. He's their franchise guy, yeah. So yeah. That, with that being said, they're extending their current shortstop. That means they will not be in play for probably a story, a Seager, a, a, a Korea kind of guy. Almost kind of makes – it kind of shortens the amount of options those guys have. Um, tons, of, tons of teams are going to want them. A team like the Reds want a shortstop. Uh, I think Reds and Brewers are, of course, big players in the Brewers shortstop market. Brewers would yeah. love a shortstop. But Angels, of um, we course, will, have to be... We have to have a shortstop. We, we have to be the... T- I feel like every year we're at the top of the list. Who needs a shortstop? The Angels do. Every year, who needs a starting pitcher? The Angels do. And I think that makes a good point getting Seager and Correa. And Correa. Um, both guys, huge playoff players, have had crazy good playoff success. And I think the Angels are looking at... We can't just be a team that just gets to the playoffs and be satisfied. We have to be a team that actually goes deep. If we had, a, if if Trout was 22 years old with Marsh and Adele, and we got to the playoffs, I'd say that's a great win. Where we got to the playoffs, these guys they're getting the experience. That's awesome. If we lose in the first round, okay, we'll be back next year. But I feel like the Angels are a team that's like 
our, our time is ticking for a World Series championship. So you need to get to the playoffs and make a big impact as well. And having yeah. those two guys in an order that have been there and have done that, I think it'd be great. And I think, honestly, playing, you know, on the same side as, you know, Anthony Rendon. I mean, you look at both those guys were hurt in some way by Anthony Rendon in 2019. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers being, you know, Rendon gave that big home run off Kershaw. And then, of course, Rendon just having a great World Series against the Astros. Um, playing with him would be awesome. I think also having, you know, five years of the same sh- second baseman like David Fletcher would be really cool to have as well. Um, it, it was if, yeah. we, if we got a shortstop for a, a deal of more than three or four years, that kind of solidifies our infield yeah. for, the, for the next half decade because exactly. Walsh is under team control as like a rookie last season. Fletcher, Fletcher solid- got the extension and Rendon has a big contract. So That almost solidifies our whole entire starting nine or our, you know, our, our defense for yeah. almost a decade. Assuming Adele and Marsh are like locked in, which we believe they will be, and of course Trout being healthy. Yeah, like yeah. you said, we got to keep Stassi, you know, keep him. Whatever it takes to keep him on board, I'm down with, yeah. and then get him a backup that's better than Kurt Suzuki. Travis, <laughs> it seems like every year we have high hopes for the Angels, so let's just hope that for once we're down to spend the money in the right spots and get the right deals done. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Artie gives control to Perry to say, this this is my team, let me let me do what I got to do. Because, you know, getting 20 guys to the draft, that's a really good sign for the Angels and a really yeah. good sign for their 20 young system. pitchers yeah. all input into like the either the single A or the double A ball. It's great. And if three um, of them hit, I'll be happy with that. Right. If, if three it, of them come become if, great successes. If yeah. one can be a great starting pitcher, two great relievers, like, okay, then boom. Like, in, in the next two, three years, like, okay, you guys can be in, impactful soon. So mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. Um, Travis, I think about wraps everything up. Uh, I think we kind of covered all the bases. It's been a, it's been a fun kind of couple weeks here in baseball. It's going to be coming down to the home stretch pretty much. Um, we'll see kind of who takes over September. It's going to be a, some interesting MVP races in the National League. I really want to keep an eye on this Harper versus Tatis kind of thing we're going to have. See how productive Tatis can be as an outfielder. Um, we'll give you guys those updates as they come and hopefully have a lot of exciting things to talk about next week. Anything else, Travis? Nothing else. Go Angels. Yeah, go Angels. Uh, pray for us. But, <laughs> but yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate all, all the support. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow, huh? Follow That'd be the, nice. Yeah. Follow, follow the pod. We'll, it'll update you whenever we post um, once a week, of course. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>